Hello, everybody. Today on the podcast, we are joined all the way from Brooklyn, New York, Anne Benvenite. Anne is a career and a life coach, and we discuss all things career fulfillment today. So whether you're in a job or a business, any type of career, and you're potentially not feeling that it's right, or you're in a position for a transition, check out today's episode. Anne covers a lot of fantastic topics that will definitely help you move in the right direction. And if you do enjoy the episode or you have been listening to the podcast, can I please that you subscribe to any channel that you're on, or if you have a spare moment, please leave a positive review. Enjoy the episode and have a great day. Something that really grabbed me and and I'd love you to unpack initially is, and it's counterintuitive to what people are hearing now, is the follow your passion model uh, because everyone's really conditioned uh, especially over the last several years. And I'm not sure if it was like a Simon Sinek thing or follow your why or where that push initially started, but it, it is what seems to be the common advice, but you don't a hundred percent think it is the best advice at all times. Could you unpack that for us? Yeah, I actually vehemently disagree with the advice, follow your passion. Not that It's just that I think that this advice, when it's just said, follow your passion, follow your why, I think that it can be very disempowering for a lot of people. I think a lot of people don't have a good sense of what their passion is. They don't know what their why is. And because they don't have any real conviction, I think there's a real sense of like conviction of energy within that statement. And a lot of people just don't have that level of conviction. And so when they search within themselves and they don't feel that passion, they think, oh, well, I just don't have a passion. Right. And so because I don't have a passion, I'll just make do with where I am. Right. I'm just someone who doesn't have a passion. I'll just, you know, make this fine and I'll, I'll almost put up with a life and a career that is less than I could have because I think that I don't have a passion. Uh, I think it stops people before they even start because really, you know, in my work and, and, you know, after working with hundreds of people on re moving through career transitions, restructuring their career and life in a way that's more fulfilling, what is no one all of my clients, they have no conviction. Otherwise they wouldn't hire me. They don't really know what comes next. And so what you need to do in order to restructure your career in a way that feels more energizing to however you're feeling is take small incremental steps towards things that feel more energizing. Instead of follow your passion, it should be foster your interests. And and this little reframing, you know, I can't claim uh, that this is my idea. This is something I got from the writer and researcher Angela Duckworth, who wrote a kind of a well-known book called Grit, and and this concept was in there. And you know, really, passion doesn't arrive one day fully formed and say, "Hey, what's up? I'm your passion." Rather, it emerges over time by fostering your interests. And so, this is much more important for people to start to think what energizes me, what interests me, and to structure their life in a way that allows them to foster that interest. For me, 
used to be work in marketing and advertising. And now I'm a full-time coach and I have my own business around coaching. But that was an evolution over time of me fostering this interest in coaching. And eventually it just kept drawing my energy and it kept growing and growing to the point where it became a passion and to the point where I left my full-time job to do this full-time. But that was you know, very incremental over time. It wasn't like I woke up one day and said, coaching is my passion and now I'm going to go do it. Yeah, that's an amazing approach, and I and I really like that. And and in in addition to that, I, I think uh, when people are looking at other people's successes and people are, that are very passionate, they're really they're they're five years, they're ten years, they're fifteen years into this journey, and they've developed a skill set. And what I think potentially people miss in in thinking about the passion is it's really hard to feel that energy and that passion to activities and skill sets that you're very low in your own skill set at and you're not practiced in your own thinking and your approaches uh even if you took it back to a like a sporting analogy or something like that where like you're trying to hit a golf ball you if you're swinging at it and you're missing it five times out of ten and then you're hitting it in every direction you're not going to feel energized and passionate uh whereas i i think where like your position in it in that all right, think about what you're actually interested in and then just let's take some incremental steps. So I, I think that's really, really sound advice. Uh, Thank you. I'm I'm curious and I, I think about this more recently or thought about this more recently where what? how do you distinguish the difference between someone who has an interest or a potential passion in the future and they should pursue it as a hobby or just an interest versus the need to monetize it or to make a career change. How do you distinguish that difference? Yeah, I think that that understanding for oneself comes over time. I don't think you can decide up front, okay, this is just going to be a hobby or interest, This is, or this is going to be a revenue stream for me, or this is going to be my full-blown career. It has to start with fostering the interest. So, you know, for me with coaching, it was just something I enjoyed doing and learning about. And I thought, oh, I can do this as part of my job that I'm, you know, my full-time job managing my people, right? I can be a coach. And then I realized, oh, I could actually do it a little bit on the side and, and make extra income that way. And that was fun for me. So I kept doing it. And then it eventually became my whole career. And now it's my main revenue stream. But when you have these ideas or hypotheses, of where you could take your career, the way I work with people is, you know, we go through a whole exercise on figuring out what are the right hypotheses for how your career could evolve. It's a whole mix of your strengths, your interests, your environmental priorities. I have a whole system called your North Star that I take people through. But once you have these hypotheses, you then have to ask yourself, you know, what are the questions and concerns that you need to understand in order to figure out you know, is this going to be the direction I want to take my career? Is this going to end up being a, you know, a hobby or am I just going to forget it? And so you have to go out and start talking to people, doing the things that interest you and and ask them some of your questions and, and see what it's like and see how that feels. So much of this work is paying attention to your body and and the resonance that you get in your body. Is this energizing? Did I leave that conversation feeling really energized or not? The other way to do it, in addition to conversations, is starting these small side projects. Right? So in my career, I've explored a lot of different things, and I started a lot of different projects. Um, and sometimes they just lose momentum, they lose energy, because I'm not actually that interested in it. 
the coaching kept drawing my energy. And that's really where, where I advise people to go is, is follow what um, keeps drawing your energy. So just to, to your point on money, like at some point you're going to realize, does this meet my financial requirements? What's, what's required to make money doing this? Do I, do I want to do the work that's required to do that? Or is it more fun to just make this a side project? I have a lot of clients you know, food or wine, or sometimes these are ideas people have. And some people, some of my clients go off and, and build little businesses around them, but other ones are just like, you know what, actually, now that I've talked to people and explored it, I've realized I actually kind of like doing this just as a hobby better. But they had to go out there and stress test it and try it on and see what it feels like in order to make that decision. And at the very least, they've had fun doing it. And now it's a part of their life in a much more intentional way than it was before. And really that's what it's about is restructuring your career, restructuring your life in a way that's more energizing, whether you're making money from it or not. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, what I also wanted to take, what I take from that as well is that one, it should just be test the water. And as you said, stress test, Um, start very small. And I'd be curious on your thoughts where people have, uh, or a lot of people I should say have uh, a big fear of failure, and like you've said, you've you've worked on projects and you, you've you've started things, and some things work out, some things don't, and that I guess is a little bit more of an entrepreneurial mindset where it's just you're this force moving forward through life, and it's all about your experiences, it's all about learning, and there's no real failures. It's just the things work, things don't work. How do you help people get to that mindset? As opposed to sometimes when you're in a bit more of an employee mindset, you'd think if you started something and it didn't work out how it should, that you're you're going to be a failure and you're going to be seen as a failure. Mm. Yeah, you, I think that. Sorry, go for it. That, that, that's right. How do you, how do you help people? I guess overcome that fear of failure and to move from that, I guess, employee mindset into more of a growth mindset, and it's just testing, learning, stress testing. It's it's not a big deal. How do you do that? Yeah, I I think I want to answer this in a structured way for you. Thanks. You know, tactically how I do it is is looking, helping people see the cost of seeing something as a failure, quote unquote, right? So I've made some sort of mistake or my initial hypothesis of how I should go about executing something hasn't delivered the results I wanted. Okay. So if you take that to mean it's a failure and therefore I should stop and therefore I'm bad and therefore I suck. Well, what does that mean? It means you close down all of that thing and you close the door and and you don't go any further because you're in this whole headspace. And so you have to ask yourself, is that the result you want that you don't go any further? You know, because the mindset of a mistake or results that I didn't want, when, when you see that as the result, if you make that mean I suck and I shouldn't go any further, then you're going to, then you will, then you won't go any further. Right. And so I ask my clients, is that what you want? Usually it's a, a, you know, if we're talking about something that matters to you, a project that you have energy and, and ideation and excitement behind, that's probably not what you want for yourself. And really when you look broadly at life, I mean, 
how else do you figure out what works and what doesn't work? Right? This idea, people have this idea in life that like life should just be this wide open highway with green lights and like no terrain and beautiful vistas and there should never be any U-turns and like only if it's like that is this, is it a success. But I mean that's like just a fantasy, right? So um when when you get feedback that something isn't work great, you've realized you know, you've realized what doesn't work. So now you can iterate and improve. And if you're seeing that feedback as now I know what not to do, now I know how I can improve to get there faster. That's what makes a successful entrepreneur, right? Is someone who sees the feedback as like, okay, I've learned something. I can now iterate on it. I mean, like think about a toddler learning to walk. It's not like they try one time and they're like, oh, well, I didn't do it. I'm just going to sit on the floor now. (laughs) <laughs> right, they like keep going until they figure it out, and I don't know some. And I don't even like the word failure is so imbued with all of this like judgment. But I mean, failure is just like okay, it didn't work this way. How else can it work? I mean, that's how everything is created. Like no one just comes up with an idea and it's like perfect and executed perfectly. That's just like a weird fantasy I think people have. I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know if I no, answered that, it. You, you did. That's great. And, and I think it's an important message uh, because trying to educate people that it, it isn't just this, like you said, this smooth highway uh, and it, bringing back to you, the toddler analogy, you expect the toddler to walk. So it is really about managing expectations. And that's why you have patience and you just keep applying because you expect the outcome to be that, that they do walk. Whereas when people, I think, go on this potential entrepreneurial journey or follow you, following a uh, career that they're more interested in, they're not expecting the outcome to be positive necessarily. They have a small part of them that's hopeful, uh, but not necessarily expected. So I think trying to get the message out there as much as possible uh, that it's not like what normal is, is this back and forth, navigating through the weeds, uh, figuring things out, feeling like a, a potential failure at all, <laughs> a lot of the time, but that's normal. And I think a part of that message gets missed, especially when if you if you're reading books or if they're following people online and that's their their impact. Uh, that's sorry, their I guess that's where their inspiration comes from. That there seems to be, from what I see, the the middle part of people's journeys seem to be missing, and they skim mm. skim over it. So it goes from mm-hmm. I was sleeping in my van to. I sold my first thing and then it's just like there's this gap <laughs> and and they don't really educate about the gap because it's not potentially interesting from a from a reader perspective or from an online content perspective and it's really just skimmed over. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think your message and really trying to educate them uh, in that approach is, is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, maybe let me just add to that a little bit more. I think for me as an entrepreneur, like, when I have a goal, what I, I'm not committed. How do I want to explain this? For example, I have a podcast, you know, it, it had like, it's has a small listenership, but I am committed. This is how I do it. I'm committed to getting that to a certain level. Right. And I am committed to doing whatever it takes. Like I'm committed to, to feeling all of the emotions that will go into 
all of the iterations I have to do, right? Because I haven't exactly figured out the secret formula, not the secret formula, but I haven't exactly figured out the structure and the process and the content and how I deliver it and how I promote it and who I invite on to get it to the place I want to be. But I'm committed to doing the work to figuring that out. I'm committed to like making mistakes to trying stuff and it not working. I'm okay with that. Like I've said, let's go. I expect that to happen, right? I expect myself to try stuff and it not to work and to have to iterate and to learn and to improve, but I'm just committed to the goal and I'm committed to having that goal for as long as it takes for me to get there. Right. And I think that's, you know, with my business also, like I'm committed to getting it to a certain point. I know that I'm going to have to go like feel a lot of different feelings and and 50% of them will be uncomfortable to get there, right? I know that I'm going to have to grow so much as a person in order to get there, right? But I'm saying like, let's go, right? Like I'm up for that. And I think that's what you want to sign up for. It's like commit to your goal, but don't be attached to how you get there and be open to feeling any feeling. I mean, really so much of my work is about that. When people, no one knows how to feel and we're not taught how to feel beyond beyond um, labeling emotions, we don't know actually how to feel the emotion and process the emotion and move it through our body. So, so much of my work is teaching people how to do that because you have to be able to feel your feeling, understand it's just a feeling, know how to move it out and through your body to not be, to no longer be afraid of feelings. And I think that's what stops people is they're afraid of feeling embarrassment. They're afraid of feeling shame. They're fame, uh, They're afraid of feeling whatever it is that might happen in the path to, to achieving your goal. So, you know, for me, I've learned that skill. And so that's why I'm like, bring it on. You want to feel shame? Okay, I'll feel shame. Like it's not going to, it's going to be uncomfortable, but like I know how to feel it. I know how to move it out of my body. And I know at the end of the day, it's just an emotion. And, and, and the result it- of like feeling that will be all of the things that I want. Yeah, exactly. And and pushing through to that other side is exactly what you want. So how do you Mm -hmm. help people to say if someone's come to you, they want guidance through this process. And what I take from a part of that is you really need to let go of trying to control the micro and just stay committed to the macro. Uh, so, So in a sense that like you're not, you're not trying to control every guests that comes on or the the frequency of your podcast or how many people's listens to it that's not in your control you really only can do the work uh, and then you need to put it out into the world and then let the marketplace dictate <laughs> what actually they like and don't like uh, in continual pursuit towards your journey how do you help someone navigate this process uh, what I'm trying to take here is a little bit more I guess practically if they were working with you and they were at this point and they're like coming at you and they're, they're saying it's not working, um, I didn't get any listeners on that post or that guest or th- th- this process is stressing me out, how would you help someone navigate through that? Mm, yeah. So, well, I'll just say, you know, Mostly I'm helping people reorient their careers rather mm-hmm. than grow a business. So kind of my business, like, but I do help people in all sorts of capacities. So let, let's how take, would I help people? Oh, sorry, go for uh, it. That's right. Yeah. So how would you, in the same position, so let, let's slot out the business and let's say a new career uh, and let's say that new career, whether they jumped into a new role or they're about to try to up their skill set to try to apply for new roles, uh, mm-hmm. it, but they're in more of an emotional state. 
mm-hmm. potentially slightly more reactive than they need to be. How would mm-hmm. you realign them into a process that isn't, I guess, reactive, stressful, um, managing expectations and getting them to let go of that sense of control? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing is we always have to acknowledge our feelings. We have to be with our feelings. And a lot, sometimes if someone comes to me on a call and they're in a really emotional, reactive space, no matter what I say, oh, you need to have this mindset or you need to do these actions, it's going to be really hard for them to do that because they need to feel their feelings. So, you know, if you've been pierced by an emotion, something has happened and and you feel emotional because an emotion was triggered, you have to be with that feeling. So first I would feel the feeling, like actually go into your body, locate the sensation in your body, tune into it, turn up the volume, be with that discomfort until it starts to dissipate. That's basically how you feel. So that's the first step. Second, I mean, it's, it's looking at, you know, the feedback what isn't working, what is working. And, you know, how, how do you, how do you want to feel like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of activity that's required to learn and to grow. So let's say what, let's go back to the podcast example, right? Like you're, you didn't get the listeners you wanted, right. And you're feeling hurt. Okay. Well, so you have to feel the hurt and, and do that. Then you have to say, okay, well, what are the actions I need to take to, you know, what are my new ideas? What actions do I need to take to better understand what's happening? Go through those. Then you ask yourself, how do I want to feel while I'm doing this? Right? What are the, what's the emotion that I think is going to help me take the actions I need to iterate, learn, and improve? And then you ask yourself, what do I need to believe about the situation I'm in in order to feel that emotion? Right? This is about intentionally choosing the mindset that's going to support you. Again, this is another big concept I work with is understanding that you always have the agency to choose your perspective. Sometimes you have to process the emotion first to to have that flexibility, but you get to choose and you want to choose a mindset that creates the emotions that are going to help you take the actions that you want. So I think the question would be, how do you want to feel during this process and what do you need to believe? And we have to choose a belief that's believable, but I don't know if that's tactical enough for you. I'm happy to go into some more specific detail if that would be helpful. No, that's great. That's that's really great. So, where does where do people need to go if they are in this journey themselves, or they can obviously reach out to someone like yourself, and you can get that professional guidance. Uh, but do you think there's any good people they should follow, or there's any book recommendations, or is this just like the collection of education that I guess you've picked up over a, a long period of time? Yeah. Well, so if you're if you're thinking about evolving your career, right? What you're kind of feeling lost, bored, burned out professionally, you're trying to figure out what's next, what's my thing, how am I going to restructure my career? That's really what I focus on and, and my area of expertise. So I have a podcast. It's free. It's called The Career Studio. It's a great resource. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to say that, but <laughs> no, really it, it is. Um, and who else do I really like? I think the book Bending Reality by Victoria Song is exceptional. I have all of my clients read it. It's not so much about changing careers, but it is about processing feelings and choosing intentionally your perspective. And it underpin like those concepts underpin so much of my work. So everyone should read that book. It's a really excellent book. Um, I like Grit by Angela Duckworth. I like the book Four Thousand Weeks. Um, which is about time management and kind of letting go of 
being obsessed with time management. Um, there's a book called Designing Your Life, which kind of uses design thinking principles. Um, I kind of think it can be a little bit overwhelming, but some people like that. Those would be some initial recommendations. Um, but I would direct I, I, the reason I like my work is I don't think anyone else is combining. Yep. My whole work is based on this idea that. Um, it's very overwhelming when you're in that space. It can be hard to know what to pay attention to, what to ignore. And a lot of the content I found out there is overwhelming. It's just like so much to do. It makes people feel even more lost. So my work is based on this idea that when you boil down the noise, there's really these four fundamental concepts to focus on. You know, they're like a foundation of a house. And so for me, this is very structured and, and my clients like it because of that. And so that's what my work is all about. So if you're feeling like overwhelmed, it's a really like structured way to navigate the process. Yeah, awesome. And, and in that process, I'm, I'm sure you would cover this. Uh, and I'm just curious on your thoughts on this, where when per, a person I'm assuming is in a position where they're looking to change career, looking to do a bit new business, whatever the, the, the change is, they're obviously going to be like like we've spoken about uh, in potentially an emotional state or a reactive state. And a lot of people when they're in this mode of being are really outwardly focused. Uh, and I, I think that, and I think the saying is, is it like wherever you go, there you are. How do you have a person to really, I guess, do a little bit of self-reflection and uh ownership of their own behaviors before they take themselves into a new environment to ensure that it's not a bit part of their framework that is the challenge, which isn't making the environment not great. And then they move into yeah. the next one and just repeat the cycle. Yeah. It's really, I mean, I think I've really, one of the main things I work on with people when they start working with me is you, we have, you have to make your current environment palatable. The, you know, what often gets people into trouble is rushing to get out of their current situation in order to feel better, right? So when you're trying to leave your current situation as soon as possible, it leads to hasty decisions and you'll end up in another environment that's not the right fit for you. So, you know, oftentimes you need to restructure your current environment or find what is working and focus on that. So it'll be a mindset of looking for the good, looking for what is working or working with your boss in a way to restructure your role as much as you can to make that a little bit more chill. And then, you know, I have a, a process of reflection um, called your North Star or, you know, if you want to be taken through it, the first episode of my podcast is about that. I'm also hosting a webinar on December 5th about that. So, you know, you can do that reflection um, to basically be very intentional about where you might want to go, what kind of business would be right for you, what kind of next career would be right for you. You need to do that work. And then you need to come up with your hypotheses and you need to investigate those through conversations. Right, lots and lots of conversations to really stress test those ideas, maybe do a side project, et cetera. I mean, for me, I work with my clients one on one for five months. And and they're, you know, by the end of that, they are clear, they're doing it, they know where they're going. But a lot of times people think it's just gonna like take them a couple of weeks. And that's this process takes a while. When you grow out of a certain environment, you're you're kind of growing into a new person, you can't rush that. It can take months or, or years to really land in the new space. You know, if you have help, you can do that efficiently. But if you're doing it on your own, you really want to give yourself time and not rush. 
Great. And do you ever have people come to you that misidentify a career change or the needing for a career change when potentially it's just the the colleagues or the work environment? It could be a little bit toxic and that they they think that, hey, I need a totally new career change and it's not actually that. Totally. Yeah. I think a lot of times the result of my work with my clients isn't an immediate career change. It's just restructuring where they are. So maybe it's redoing the role in some way or um, getting on a different team. You know, often that or changing their perspective or kind of, you know, so I had this client once that really just came down to her need to set better boundaries with work. And once she started setting better boundaries that gave her more of a balance, more energy, she didn't she didn't feel as resentful towards stuff. And then, you know, because she was basically in the right place for her, she just felt overworked and undervalued. And it's because she wasn't saying no. So, um, so yeah, oftentimes you can reach. And that's why I start with like, let's make where you are palatable, right? Like, how do you make this work for you? And then, then you can explore other things. Also, sometimes people explore other things and they realize where they are is, is really where they want to be for now. Right. And, but at least then they've done the intentional work of exploring other things. So they can say, you know, I looked at that and it's not right for me now. And like the last point I'll make here is sometimes it's about, okay, my long-term goal is to be in this place, but you know, I'm not going to be ready for that for another 18 months because I, need a little bit more experience or I want to take this project on the side, et cetera. So people end up staying where they are, but they're more rested in that space because they know where they're going and they know how their current environment is supporting them to get there. And so suddenly the current environment makes more sense. They don't see it as like, I'm trapped here. They know what, how it's being useful for them and they see what their long-term exit strategy is. So with goal setting, how often do you believe that people should be setting goals and do you have a process around or do you recommend how often they need to revisit them, uh, how often they need to uh, look at them, do you have visuals, do you have writing? Because I even know in myself um, who I set quite a, fair few, uh, quite a few goals and it's still, even when you know all the practices, it's still so easy just to get lost and you're like, oh, I've forgotten about what I'm meant to be doing for a couple of like week period. And then you're like, I need to revisit it. I need to re-look um, re at it. So what's the, the structures you tend to recommend around goal setting? Yeah. You know, I don't, um, I don't actually teach anything specific around goal setting. So I don't have like conviction around this um, for my own clients, but I do, I can tell you what I use and it, the philosophy that underpins that is generally how I think. So I, I think about um, at the end of the year, the beginning of the next year, I always do reflection and I do a whole process of what's my word for the year. Um, this year, my word for the year is connection. And then I think about how that, what that word means for the different spheres of my life, right? Business, personal, like relationships, myself. So I always set that at the start of every year and it's a structure that I really like. Beyond that, um, you know, I have, I've done also, I've tried all sorts of things, right? And it, right, I'm very good at, um, like making lists and like setting intentions. And then I kind of let it like go by the wayside. So what I have personally found useful for myself is I work with a coach 
And that person keeps me accountable and has structure and check-in. And what I would say to people is like, get help, right? If you, if you struggle to like set goals or keep yourself accountable, like one of the cornerstones of my work is people, right? Asking for help, getting the structure and support you need, treating your career and life with like the same level of respect that you would like an important project at work, get help wherever you're struggling, you know, pay someone or get an accountability partner or a mentor or someone like that to help you. Um, you know, don't expect yourself to be amazing at everything. I think one of the big insights for me is like, I'm, my genius is not like business strategy and planning. It's just not where my skill is. And so I have a coach, I hire someone to help me with that. And she keeps me accountable and she does the check-ins and that's what works for me. That's great. And, and I think the the pain someone is, is a great avenue because it's almost like the, the the highway or the fast track to finding the person that you need to get that experience and accountability. Because if, if someone's working eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, they might have family commitments. Your chances of finding someone out of your current circles that you're going to have that exposure with that's going to be able to help you who has that experience is going to be like, it's going to be such a low probability that you're going to find someone just organically. Uh, so I think the just seeking out a coach or someone who's tried and tested and fast track. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the world now is that, and, and it sounds cliche, but yeah, you don't have to make all the same mistakes and not that someone else's path is directly going to like be your path as well. But just there, I think what's missing from when people talk about finding a mentor is it's really their energy and it's their calmness and it's their perspective that's going to help you navigate through those times and also stop the worst version of yourself getting in your own way again. Because ultimately, I feel like that that's what the battle is. It's, it's you're trying to always move towards the best version of yourself and always try not to let the worst version of yourself sneak back in. And it's just this endless battle of moving through life in that sense. Totally. Yeah. I think we're all always, you know, we all have light and shade inside of us. But I think, you know, the, the, the most effective thing is to invest in yourself. And whatever your budget is, you can find someone who has a business that will meet your budget. You, you can. There's a million coaches and, and business people out there who are helping other people achieve goals. It's a whole huge bargaining industry. So like invest in yourself. It's really the fastest, most efficient way to achieve your goals. To me, it's like you put that money into yourself and suddenly like things just start to happen. Um, it really is uh, like releasing energy into the universe. And then you have someone who doesn't have your brain and doesn't, you know, can call you out on your bullshit and can, and, you know, who, again, it's about building a team around you, right? Like you would never be asked at work to single-handedly like ideate, build, market, launch, do the finances for a product, right? Like you would have a team of experts like coming together. So treat your career and your life with that same level of respect, like get people around you who have different skill sets than you. This is why it's so important to understand where your strengths and weaknesses are so that you can hire people <laughs> or get people around you uh, to mitigate your weaknesses. Absolutely. And and it does bring me on to my next point and something that you have a bit of experience in in personal branding uh, mm -hmm. because this is obviously a thing now and 
15, 20 years ago, you would just essentially make a career change and your resume would be all that would be needed. But now to jump into such a busy marketplace to get the attention of potentially the people you want, personal branding is such a huge thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. In order of just say someone is exploring these interests and moving in this direction, do you have them considering the impact of a personal brand or does that come later on? Yeah, I actually, I do a whole piece on, on personal branding that's based off of my, you know, 12, 13 years of doing that professionally. Um, I do that towards the end of my work with people once they know what direction they're headed, what problem they're trying to solve. And yeah, we think about, you know, what's your problem statement, your target audience, you know, who are your role models, your strengths, your weaknesses, your previous experience, what's your like, when we think about how you present yourself, your, your physical attributes and kind of what, you know, Carl Lagerfeld had the glasses and Frida Kahlo had the eyebrows, like what's your signature look? We do all of that stuff. And then we think about how you want to take that brand to market, um, you know, and, and establish yourself within your space, right? Because you have people, you have uh, something you feel passionate about and, and you want people to know about that. So what's your go-to-market strategy for yourself? Um, as a leader. So yes, I do that work. That's awesome. And another concept, if you'd like to just uh, unpack it for us, and which I found really fascinating in one of your podcasts, is the the, the, the statement B minus work. So that, that's very counterintuitive because we're, and I'll let you explain this, but we're going out into the world, always trying to produce our best and potentially inhibiting progress. But what does B minus work mean? Okay. Great. I love this concept. And I and I, I have to admit, this is not the, the terminology or the label B minus work is not my invention. I uh, got trained by the life coach school by a woman named Brooke Castillo. And this that term is her concept. Though the way I explain it in my podcast is different to her a bit. But essentially, the idea here is that, I don't know, in school, I work with a lot of high achievers, overachievers. And in school, you know, we're taught to get the A, right? But when you try and get the A in everything in life, y- you get the A in nothing or you burn out in the process. There's um, The way I explain this principle that's different than Brooke is there's something in economics called the, the Pareto principle, which is the idea that 20% of the work delivers 80% of the impact. Okay, so 80% being a B minus, which means if 20% of the work delivers 80% of the impact, that means there's an additional 80% of work that's needed to get you that additional 20% to like an A plus or an A. So it's this idea that if you like as a fully functioning adult who has many commitments in life, the only way to really show up and, and deliver on all of them is to get comfortable with B minus work. Otherwise, you're spinning your wheels trying to get an A in everything, which means there's other things that are going to fall by the wayside. I, I guarantee anyone who's a perfectionist really resonates with this. You know, reading the email a million times and like spending an extra, you know, 30 minutes on that when they could be spending that doing a hundred other things. So, yeah, it's often an uncomfortable um place for a lot of people. But once you start to practice it and like kind of let go of that, like extra little bit you think is needed, 
it's a relief and you realize actually no one cares. I, that was like a big realization for me at, at one point in my career, just realizing actually when I take my foot off the gas and do less, no one noticed. I was like, oh my God, I'm like not showing up, like not doing enough work. And like, I still like got my full bonus. People were still like, you're doing a great work. And I'm like, oh, I could actually just do, do my version of a B minus, but they think it's good. Right. So like, that's, I don't know, that's, that's the principle really quickly. And essentially, then you meet him what you need to, uh, and you're not in this slightly, whether it be anxious state in your all of your waking hours. Uh, and then, and then, hopefully, from this process, it just allows you to have that little bit of mental space to start make, making the correct decisions and start moving in the right directions. I'm curious because you spend so many, uh, so much time with people in this space and making career decisions and potentially around people doing the same thing. Do you feel that the career fulfillment is becoming more of a, I guess, a thing? Do you think, uh, do you think that between just say 2000 and now, uh, is it drastically moving in that people are quite unhappy in their roles? I like think it's such an interesting point. And I, I, yes, I do think that it is possible to be more fulfilled professionally since the advent of the internet. Because so many more businesses, types of businesses are available to us. You can work kind of in, in many cases all over the world for different types of people. And also you're, you can find an audience I mean, right. I have my own business. I have clients all over the world. It's like this, you know, you could, so, so that, because of that, I think that you can be more specific in, in what you do. Um, and, and so therefore, you know, people are fed up with the like toxic workplace culture of bosses who are emotionally immature. have never done any work on themselves who are asking you to be available 24 seven. They're like, why would I, I don't need to do this. I can go do something else. So I think there's a, I think it's, you know, we go through peaks and troughs in terms of the uh, strength of the economy and, and the jobs. But I think for the most part, it's a candidate's market. And I think that, you know, a lot of um, employers who are demanding, certainly in the US, I don't know about Australia, but in the US, uh, employers that are demanding going back to the office five days a week, they're losing people. People don't want that. Um, you know, so... That's yeah, my like. Yeah, yeah. F flexible working is definitely becoming more of a thing here, and uh, it, it's definitely an, an, uh, an employee's market as well. Uh, it's it's very uh, very hard to find the right employees, so doing the right things there. Um, so, uh, what I would like to unpack now, or just go through, is just to tell people a little bit. I'm, I'm interested in the webinar you're hosting on December fifth. Uh, just so I can also point people in that direction as well. So what's that one for? Sure. It's called Thrive. And it's basically, you know, as I've intimated, um, my business is based on this idea that there's four fundamental things to focus on to build an energizing career you love. So it's actually more of a workshop where I am taking you through, you're going to have a worksheet and like be prompted to reflect and ask yourself questions around each of these four areas. And so that'll give you a really clear sense of where you're stronger, where you're weaker, and you'll end the call knowing what those four areas are, what success looks like, and where you need to start specifically. Like, you know, if you're going to do this yourself, where do you need to start? 
um, to start to take action to really make 2024 the year where you create the energizing career that you love. Because really, I mean, and this is the whole thing in my business, anyone can do this, right? Passion or energy, let's forget passion. Energizing career, this is available to every single one of us if we know what to focus on, right? And so that's the thing. A lot of people just don't know what to focus on. It's very overwhelming. So if you know what to focus on and you strengthen those four areas, everything builds off from there. And I have seen that with hundreds of clients. It's why I'm expanding my business. It really, really works. So if you are feeling lost or bored or demotivated, come join that. Figure out what you need to focus on. Make, make next year the year that you sort it out for yourself. That's awesome. And I'll definitely link that up. And uh, yeah, that'd be great to check out. Uh, So a couple of things to finish off. And what are are a few signs that if you're in a career and potentially they're not at that point of conviction or they're not at that point of a coach, but people, they're just noticing that their their days aren't fulfilling or and and it's quite gray and they're in the early stages. What do you think are the early signs that someone should be starting to explore a new career? Great question. I, I wrote a post on this recently. Um, I The early signs are you don't feel energized by stuff in the way you used to, right? Stuff that maybe used to be fun for you no longer is. You look above you and you don't really see a lot of people whose, whose jobs that you want. You start to dread your to-do list. Little things start to annoy you. These are signs. And sometimes people end up, they feel these, but then you know they have a good project, so they forget about them, but then they come back to them. But they're, they're little red flags that either you need to restructure your role within your business, um, or it's time to start looking elsewhere. But either way, you're evolving out of the role that you had. And I think that that, what I really want to normalize for people is that that evolution is really normal. It's super normal for you to evolve out of wherever you are. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. It doesn't mean um, that you messed up. That's the same thing, but really it's very normal. And, you know, these transition periods can be shorter if you know what to focus on, but it, you know, ambiguity is uncomfortable for people, but I promise you, if you keep taking action through your ambiguity in a really intentional and structured way, you will get out the other side in the right space for you. Awesome. And and that's a great message to finish off. So I just wanted to say thank you for your time today. I I think how you've unpacked ideas and how your structures are laid out are really refreshing. And uh, I think people are going to find that very easy to follow along. And I'll link up everything um, and try to push as much attention to you as well. I so appreciate that, Brendan. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And, um, you know, all I try and do with this is make it structured. So I really like having you say that really means a lot to me because that's what I'm going for. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. 